Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church to make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. It's going to be a good Sunday afternoon. I want to speak to you a little bit about what I was doing on Labor Day. How many of you guys went to the beach on Labor Day? How many of you guys went out of town on Labor Day? Anybody? Yeah, a few, a few of you guys. Awesome. I didn't. Uh, I labored on Labor Day, actually. I have a problem in my garden that I have too much weed in my garden. So I decided, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go and hand pluck these weeds. So on Labor Day, I was hand plucking weeds. And when we walk close to God, God speaks to us through many different ways and many different forms. So God started speaking to me through the weeds. And one of the things he told me was that, you know, as I was pl- plucking these weeds, because weeds can be stubborn, man. You pluck them this week and then next week they come out again and then you got to pluck them. They're stubborn, even if you pluck them out from the root. So God told me, our faith needs to be stubborn like that. Our faith needs to be stubborn like weeds in moments of life when life tries to pluck you out from standing on his word. You need to be resilient. God continued speaking to me. And then I heard something through the grapevine that I want to share with you today. And I think it'll be the focal point of our message this afternoon. So I want you to go with me quickly, pull out your Bible to the book of John chapter Uh, 15. If this is the first time you're here, welcome. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. You can use the screens. But I encourage you to get your own Bible because it's the Word of God. And you'll find out today why it's important to bring your Bible and to have a Bible. John chapter 15. If you're there, say, I'm there. You're there? Okay. John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And Jesus is saying this words. This is when Jesus was still walking on earth before he got crucified. And he says, I am the true grapevine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Want you to, I'm going to read this again. I want you to pay attention to the two processes that are going on here so we can distinguish between both of them. All right? So uh, let's see if we got it so far. Who's the gardener? The Father. God the Father. And who's the grapevine? The true grapevine? Jesus. He's the one that's speaking. It's okay? So God the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the grapevine. And this is what God the gardener does. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Verse 3 says, you have already been pruned. He's telling his disciples these. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed or cut off from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So I, I... I went around and I was looking for a grapevine, but the grapes don't grow here in South Florida because, you know, there's too much humidity. But I did find myself this. Uh, can we give it up for Ignacio? It's my friend, cool dude. Thank you so much. 
And we got here, I, I found myself a citrus plant. This is actually, a, I don't know if it's lemon or lime, maybe it's lemon, but they're just still green. But I want you guys to visualize this so we could see what Jesus is trying to teach us, because I believe that there's something that we're gonna take out of this today. I mean, how many of you guys came here to take something from this, not just to have a good time or just sit down and be bored and check your Instagram and see what the dolphin score is. Uh, we came here because we wanna grow and, and we want God to do something in our lives and to use us. You know, God still wants to use people. He wants to use young people, he wants to use men, women, whoever says, I'm willing. So today we're gonna learn a little bit. So here it is, illustration, God's the gardener. I bought my little pruning kit, right? My, my little plucker, whatever you wanna call this. Um, and God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, this is the lemon tree, and there's two processes going on here. The first process, he looks for branches that don't produce fruit, and what does he do? Let's see if you guys pay attention. The ones that don't produce fruit, he cuts them off. So the Bible tells us that God is constantly watching us. Uh, sometimes we feel that God is far away, he's too busy. I mean, you know, when you don't read the word, a bunch of crazy ideas start popping up to your head. But once you start reading the word, you start realizing that God knows every specific detail of your life. He knows what you're going through, what you need. How, he knows how to get there. He's, he's your best map to get to where God wants you to get to. He does this. He looks and he's constantly watching us because he wants the best for us. And the Bible says that when he finds... I think this one's good. He finds a branch that does not produce fruit. You see, I'm looking right here. There's two branches right next to each other. And, and I see one that's smaller, but it has a fruit. This guy's, this guy's a cool guy. This one doesn't have a fruit, and it's longer. Look at this one. This one's actually, can you guys tell? This one has three. It has so much fruit that it's literally forcing the branch down. So this is what... God the gardener does. He comes. This one doesn't give fruit. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut it off. Boom. Saw those skills. And he cuts off the branch. And then the second thing that God does, he says where he does find fruit, he comes and he says he prunes it so that you could give more fruit the day of tomorrow and to prepare you to get stronger. Now, it's interesting that in both processes, there's cutting involved. If you're a person, sometimes you go through seasons of pruning, even if you're giving fruit, and it could be painful. Sometimes God prepares us for a new season, and sometimes God has to cut off things, people from our lives so that we could be more fruitful. So God comes, and even though we could probably have an amazing, you know, fruit, God comes and he says, you know what, I'm going to prune this one. I'm going to get it ready. I'm not an expert. I know the process of pruning is a lot more intricate than that, but you guys understand what I'm trying to do, right? He says, if you remain in me, I will remain in you. So we already know that God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are what? We're the branches. If we remain in God, as long as these branches are connected to the stem, and are carrying all the nutrients and oxygen through these ducts that go all throughout the stem and into the branches, you're gonna carry fruit. Now, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen to this tomorrow? Like, let's say tomorrow we come and we check this out. What's gonna be, is this gonna be green like it is today? Probably not. It's gonna dry up, it's gonna wither. Why? And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us. You see, the only way we could spring life 
the only way we could enjoy life and be everything that God created us to be is when we are connected, hello, to the vine, or in this case, the lemon tree, all right? As long as we're, we're centered, as long as we're connected to Jesus, that's how the life of Jesus is going to spurt in us and through us. How many say amen? How many Jesus lovers are there here? Come on, can we give it up for him? So, so check this out. God, through the Holy Spirit, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that you know God is a Trinitarian God. There's God the Father, which is in the throne. There's Jesus that's sitting at the right hand of the Father. And then there's the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son are up in heaven. But the part of God that is still working on earth and that lives in us and through us is the Holy Spirit. So God, through the Holy Spirit, remains in you as long as you are connected to the vine. Now, keep reading with me. We're going to read verse 5 now. You guys following along? It says this. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. A lot of people, you know, because we don't read the Bible, we don't realize that sometimes we try to, try to achieve things, and we think that our best option is when we just, just work hard and just do certain things, and, and we don't realize that what determines our prosperity, what determines our joy in life, our peace throughout our life and, and blessings coming on our lives is that we are connected to the vine. Nothing else. You could have the most incredible work ethic. You could be incredibly prosperous. You could have a lot of money and in another area of your life be miserable. But the only way the true prosperity, which is feeling that you have everything that you need. That, that inner feeling that, man, I'm good where I am. Maybe I don't have as much money as that guy, but you know what? I'm, I'm blessed. God's giving me amazing kids. I have health. God's blessed me. I'm being a blessing to other people. It's not just about me. I'm being able to help other people. Man, I feel I am satisfied in life. I want more. I want God to do more through me. I still want to, uh, there's, th there's things that I'm striving for to reach and to take over and to conquer. But you know what? I am, I'm content because of what God's done in my life and what he's doing. So look what happens. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And verse 6 says, anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. And then such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But, everybody say but. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Isn't that crazy? You know what happens sometimes we ask God for a lot of things, but we, we don't remain in his words. The Bible says that if we remain in his word, what's his word? The Bible, if I live, if this is my manual for living, and I wanna, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that my life aligns to this. I'm going to do everything that I can in my power. And even when I feel that I can't make it, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, give me strength so that I can live according to what your word says. If that's the way I live my life, the Bible says that I have authority to ask not for whatever I need but whatever I want and it shall be granted isn't that amazing that's the type of God that we serve come on I think I think that we should give him you know put our hands together for him at least make some noise for him 
Because this is a godly promise. And God is not like some people that they promise stuff and then they don't, they don't go through with their promise. If he promises something, he's going to fulfill it. But, but it's, a, it's a conditional statement. The Bible says that if we abide in his word. So I guess the question is how then, if I am a branch, how can I abide to the vine? How can I make sure that I'm, I'm connected to the vine and I'm not disconnected because I don't want to. I don't want to wither, around, wither uh, out and, and die and be cast into the fire. I want, to, I want to bear fruit. I want to bear many fruit. I want to be successful. I want to do everything that God called me. How can I do it? Well, the Bible teaches us here that the only way is by abiding in his words. How well do you know the word of God? You see why it's so important to not just come to, the, come to church and just hear the word of God? That's good. That's a good start. And if you're starting there, praise God. It's where everybody, all of us start. But then you need, to, you need to download your app, your YouVersion app. You need to have your Bible. You need to read it every day because God is teaching you. The Bible is like the GPS to get to everything that God has prepared for you, which is amazing. So the only way that you can see the life of God just manifest and bear many fruit is that if you are abiding in his word. Somebody... Why don't you all throw your hands, your right hand up high and say, I'm going to abide by God's word. Yeah, it's good that you say it. There's power in declaration. So it says, you, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want. I love that it doesn't say need. Because God is not just somebody that's going to give you what you need to survive. I'm just barely getting by. No, what, what I want. God, God loves to spoil us sometimes for those that abide in his word. Right? How many of you guys have been spoiled by God? Raise your hand. All right. Yeah. He spoils us. He gives us things sometimes that we don't even ask. Or things that we don't ask for, he already gives us before we even ask for them. I mean, that's the kind of God that we serve. But the condition is that we abide in his word. So, if I remain in Jesus, he will remain in me. My decision. Everybody say, my decision is what invites Jesus to remain in me. It's what I decide. If I decide no, Jesus says, all right. I respect that. Don't expect everything that I have for you. You know, the, the only way, it's like this branch to say, man, I don't want to be with you. I'm out. I want to do my own thing. I don't want to be connected to you. And then it expects that it's going to grow fruit. No, you know what it's going to do? It's going to wither. It's going to dry up. And today, because many people aren't connected to the vine, they're drying up in a lot of areas. And, you, and sometimes we don't even know. Until God reveals to you and you read a story like this and you say, well, that's the reason. I'm just not connected to God. I'm not connected to the vine. The, that's the source. No wonder I don't have peace. No wonder I don't have joy. No wonder I'm missing, you know, direction in life and purpose. No wonder I, I could be having stuff. I don't know how, if it's ever happened to you that something good happens to you. You know, you make a lot of money or something happens and, and you're like, wow, it's all awesome. But then you think, it's like, well, that's it. Is that all that this did? I mean, I still have me. How come I'm not happy? Or man, I'm going out with the guy that I really like. How come I'm still empty? Or, or I, I, I graduated and I got my degree. I, man, I strived so hard for that. And now I got the job that I wanted. How come I'm still empty? What's wrong? Because you see, the only thing that's going to fill that is when you're connected to the vine. To the vine. Amen. So we talked about how do I remain in the vine? How do I remain in Jesus? By abiding in his words. 
So that, that the, the promise that that triggers is that I can ask for anything that I want in the name of Jesus. And as I remain in his word and in him, you know, he does it. Verse number eight also says that as a result of abiding or remaining in Jesus, we will produce much fruit. I don't think we read verse number eight. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Think about that for a second. When you produce much fruit, I don't know. If I look at this plant, much fruit right here, baby. This is three, man. I mean, that's, that's the kind of people that we need in JTP. Lord, come on. Just fruit-bearing people. In Jesus' name, I declare it. But, I mean, it says that when you produce much fruit, that's how people can tell, and that's how God can tell us that you are a true disciple. I started thinking about this because if there's true disciples, then there has to be what? Phony or false disciples, right? There's, you could play the part. And I've seen, I've been in church all my life. I, my father's been a preacher. He's been, um, my grandmother was sick of cancer, 20 days left to live when my dad was a little boy. And we didn't know God. We didn't know him. We wouldn't go to church or anything. And then she just looked up to heaven and said, God, if you really are there, if you really exist, just give me three years to help me grow my kids because my dad was four years old. I think my, his sister was two, my aunt, and then another one was six. So they were really young. And well, to make the long story short, God healed her. She had a dream where she went, you know, she went to a church and she saw Jesus and Jesus put his hand where she had the cancer or where it originated because by that time it was all over her body. And she woke up when that happened and she started going to church. She saw, and, and she started getting strength, strength, she lived 34 years after that. I mean, just healed supernaturally. And that's how my family came to know God, through a healing, through a supernatural intervention. So by the time that I was born, my father already was a preacher. He wasn't a pastor yet. Uh, that came later on in life, like when I was, uh, like when I was eight or nine. Um, but I've always seen my dad preach. I would always go to church and stuff like that. And, and sometimes going to church... Um, you know, sometimes you see people that could play the part. But the only way to know if somebody's a true disciple of Jesus is if they bear fruit. So verse 8 says that as a result of abiding in Jesus, you will produce much fruit. So bearing fruit, the Bible says also that it gives glory to the Father. We talk about giving glory to God. We sing about it, right? I think we sang a song in the Spanish service today about giving God glory. God, we come here and we give you glory. But you know what gives much glory to the Father? When we bear fruits. Nothing pleases God, the Father, the most than when we're, we're giving fruit in the kingdom of God. We're, we're helping people grow in the kingdom. We're speaking to people about the Jesus that we know and what he's done in our, in our life. We're, we're taking people by the hand. We're praying for them. We're helping them. We're, we're inserting them into life groups. We're, we're letting the life of God grow through them. We're, we're building them up. We're edifying. The Bible says that when we are active in doing that, we are giving much glory to the Father. How many of you guys want to give much glory to the Father? Come on. Can I see some hands going up, anybody? The Bible says that when we do that, it's at the end of verse 8. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So like I was telling you guys, I spent um, 
I'm 44 years old, and one of the things that I've seen a lot in church, you know, being in church all this time since I was born, I know some of you guys as well, is, is that sometimes people just settle for being or knowing someone that has talked with Jesus or that has a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes there's people that settle for knowing someone that has a relationship with Jesus, that you go to that person when you need prayer. Um, content to talk to someone who has climbed the mountain, but never climbing themselves. The Bible, in, in when Moses was led or led all the people out of Egypt through the power of God, the Bible says that Moses would go up to the mountain and he was talk to God face to face. Wouldn't that be, isn't that crazy? Imagine you talking to God face to face. All right, and this was before Jesus, which make, makes it even crazier, right? Um, before the sacrifice, because back then in the Old Testament, people couldn't have a relationship with Jesus because of sin until Jesus came and died on the cross, paid the price for their sins. But Moses, he would go up to the mountain. But the people, Moses would tell them, hey, let's go, let's go. But the people said, no, no, you know what? You, you just go. You just, they would see thunder and lightning in the mountain. They, they, and, and sometimes I get the feeling that in church, there's a lot of people that just... I'll, I'll be comfortable here. I'll just go to somebody that has been with Jesus. And as a pastor, sometimes I'm like, bro, but the mountain's for you. You know, it, it was awesome. It was amazing. But you know what? Hey, why don't you go? It's, it's available for you. You can go 24-7 whenever you want. God could listen to you. You can talk to God. God can talk to you about your purpose. You can connect with him. It, it's, it's amazing what I experienced. But you know what? I don't want to just tell you every Sunday about my experience with God, go up to the mountain, right? We can grow together and we can come and have amazing service. We can worship God, but that's never, that's never gonna replace you going up to the mountain and abiding in Christ and having a relationship with Jesus and knowing him personally. How many say amen? So the mountain is, a, is at your disposal. God is willing to hear you and to speak to you. He, he still speaks. He still listens. And so many times we settle for the podcast. Oh, I'll just check out the podcast. Couldn't make it to church today because, uh, I don't know, I had something going on. Dolphins were playing. I'll settle for reading a book. You know, I'm reading this Christian book. It's pretty good. I'll settle for going to church on Sundays. I'll take a selfie with my life group leader who has been with Jesus. <laughs> And all the time I wonder, but why don't you just go up? He's waiting for you. He wants to talk to you. I was reading about a well-known pastor from India. This guy set out and he said, you know what? I'm, I want to study all the great revivals, all the great spiritual revivals in the history of uh, the church. So he started reading it. And then he, after he finished this research, he called a pastor friend of his. And he says, hey, you know what? This, I want to share with you what I found. Do you know... Uh, what the common denominator was in every powerful movement of God in the history of this nation. The movement began when the founder knew Jesus intimately. Every single powerful um, revival or movement of God in the history of not just this nation, the history of the world came as a consequence of the founder, the one that started that movement, just having a relationship, intimate relationship with Jesus, just being attached to the vine. And then he added, he said, well, and you know when the movement died? When the followers 
only knew the founder. When the followers, instead of knowing the same Jesus that the founder knew, settled just to know the founder. When I was growing up, there was a, a movie that I watched called Weekends at Bernie's. You guys ever watched that movie, Weekends at Bernie's? Yeah? Uh, it was about this guy. He was a multimillionaire. He used to have like a, a huge pad at the, on the beach, beautiful, and beautiful women were, you know, walk in and out. And these two guys that were trying to get a meeting for something business related with this guy, uh, he gave them a meeting. So he goes, hey, meet me, out, meet me at, my, at my place. So when they get there, they're like, oh my gosh, this place is amazing. This is, oh man, this is, this is the life. So they get there. And when they find out, Bernie is dead. The multimillionaire was dead. Somebody had killed him. But they wanted to live that lifestyle. So they said, hey, you know what? Let's put on some shades on him. And let's prop him up. And let's make him pretend that he's real. And that the, whole, the whole movie, they even did part two, part three, I think. The whole movie is based on this guy that they're trying to keep, you know, pretending that he's alive when in reality he's dead so they can enjoy the life that this guy had. They moved in into his house and, and all the women and all, this, all that stuff. Sometimes I, I feel that the church is a little like weekends at Bernie's. We just prop ourselves up and we, I think the book of Revelation is the one that talks about, you know, about the church that they have a name like if the one who lives is among them, but he's not. Because sometimes we settle just to drink from what other persons experience with God. And we don't go to the source. You know, you could come to church 52 Sundays in a year and not be connected to the vine. And there are people that probably don't even come to church, but they're connected to the vine. I don't encourage that behavior. It's important to congregate because you get to do community and a bunch of other things that we could talk about another time. But man, nothing can take away from my relationship with God. I need to be connected to the vine. I need to be connected to my source. There's people sitting here and others probably that are watching us from their sofa. And maybe you've been feeling that in your life you've been dry, fruitless, without joy. Because you've been disconnected for a while from the vine. You feel like you've been disconnected. But let me show you why Jesus brought you here this morning. You see, this is, this is what Jesus wants to do today. And I know this doesn't work in reality because, you know, if you take a branch and you sever it, after a couple of days, you can't reattach it. If you reattach it quickly, it could reconnect and life can continue to grow through it. But the great thing about this is that it doesn't matter if you've been disconnected from the vine for 10 years. If you're here today and you make that decision, you say, God, I'm going to start abiding by your word today. I'm going to get my Bible. The minute I walk out of here, there's a miracle of reattachment that happens. And this is what happens. Let me just... Uh... The miracle of reattachment doesn't matter how long you've been disconnected from the vine. Maybe some of you guys, as we've been talking and sharing this message, you've been saying, well, where do I stand? Am I... Am I being pruned by God? So I'm going through a lot of stuff right now, but I've been bearing fruit, man. I've been, my life group has been popping. I've been, you know, reaching people. I've been leading people to Christ. I've been, you know, doing my thing as a true believer of Jesus. Maybe some of you guys said, you know what? Uh, I resemble more 
the branch that has been cut. And I got so much stuff going on in life. And I think that now I realize why I'm not seeing the life of Christ in everything I do. It's just that I've been disconnected. But all it takes is for you to recognize it and say, God, I need to start climbing up the mountain. The problem is that I've been, you know, I've been just leaning back on people that have been with Jesus. And whenever I have a problem, I go to my life group leader and say, hey, help me pray. There's nothing wrong with that. We encourage that. But if you don't go up to the mountain yourself and have a relationship with Jesus and see what Jesus wants with you, wants to do in you in the season and wants to help you and wants to do through you in the future, then we're cut off. But it just takes for you to realize it and say, God, man, I've been, I've been cut off for a long time. But I repent from it and I want starting today to be reconnected to the flow. And, and you know what? All it takes is a prayer. All it takes is a determination from your heart to say, I'm going to start. Man, I've been fooling around and I haven't been connected to the vine, but from this day on, I want the life of Jesus to start flowing through my veins. I want kingdom running through my veins. I want to do the will of God. I want to bless people. I want God to do supernatural things through me. I want to be blessed. I want my family, my kids to be blessed. I want to be set free from my pain. I want to be set free from my past. I want to be set free from the vices and all these things that are grabbing a hold and I don't have strength in my own to overcome them. And the minute that you, you're connected, this is what happens. This is so, what's so great about this. That when you're connected to the source, when you're connected to God, everything of God is yours. The Bible says that he is the prince of peace. So you could have peace in the middle of craziness. The Bible says that he's our source of strength. You could have strength. Even when physically, you're weak. He is, he's our joy. We could have joy because he's with us. You see, everything that belongs to the Father belongs to us when we're connected to the vine. Maybe some of you guys don't know this, but I love to collect cards. Since I was, uh, since I was nine years old, I've been collecting cards. Baseball cards, football cards, football cards, and basketball. Baseball, basketball, and football. And I have some that are really pricey that have gone up in value. Some rookie cards, some autographs. And uh, I've been getting Luca into it, into the hobby. So, you know, I bought him a pack of Bowman uh, 2020. So he started opening up packs. He got an autographed card. He was excited. I kept it for myself. Don't tell him that. <laughs> I have to administer it for him. <laughs> he doesn't know how to take care of cards yet. Um, but, uh, we're ha- we, you know, we were having fun. And then he says, Dad, I want to see your, your good cards. Because I have a special box for my good cards. I've, I've had them graded uh, by Beckett. Beckett, you know, they have a four-point grading system. They grade the corners and everything. And then they assign a value to it. So I have a LeBron James rookie card autographed. And, um, and so he wanted, and he says, Dad, I want that one. I'm like, Luca. You can't have these because you're not ready for these. <laughs> you, know, you probably throw them in the fire or something or probably forget them somewhere. Uh, so I started, but I, I wanted to teach him this. I go, but you have to understand, Luca, that everything that belongs to Papi, everything that belongs to dad is yours. One day, I'm not going to sell these because I'm a collector. I don't, I don't sell them. My, my wife has been telling me, sell that. You can get 20 grand for that. Sell it. Like, no collector i'm a collector and one day i'm gonna pass this on to my to my uh, son and i'm gonna give it to my son and and i told him look everything that belongs to poppy 
is yours. And you have to understand that same thing applies with God. When we are abiding in him, when his word abides in us, everything that flows through God is yours. We are his children. That doesn't get you excited? (laughs) Whatever you need right now, all I have to worry about is that I am connected to the vine. I need to make sure that my relationship with God is fine because as long as that's fine, man, I'm going to bear fruit through adversity, through hurricanes, through whatever comes my way. As long as I am connected to the vine, whatever God has and whatever God is, I can be as well. How many say amen to that? So jump with me to verse number nine. There's a couple of things more that I want to point out to you before we finish up and we pray. John chapter 15 verse 9 says, I have loved you. And this is Jesus again, same story, talking to his disciples. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And verse 10 then says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Because sometimes you say, well, God, how can how could I remain? Well, what do you mean by remain? How do I do it? What's the formula? What do I have to do? What's, what's my part? Well, when you obey my commandments, then you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. And look what it says now. It says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will over, overflow. So check this out. This is what the Holy Spirit you know, revealed to me. That this just destroys any false argument of people that think that, man, if I obey God, if I live a Christian life, well, I'm going to be boring. I can't do this. I can't do that. It's going to be, oh, it's a drag. No, no, no. The Bible says that, listen, the end result, if you abide in God, not only do you have the authority to say, God, I need this or I want this and it's granted, but also if I abide in God, there's going to be, what's the word that he said? An overflow of joy. So it's not the case that if I have to serve God, oh man, I can't, I can't drink with my friends. I can't do this. I can't do... Sometimes we have it all messed up. And we have all these ideas that I don't even know where they came from because they're not from the Bible. You see, that's why you need to abide in God's word. You need to know what God says. Because he says, if I abide in him, I'm not going to live a boring life. On the contrary. I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When you live a life of obedience to God, you will overflow in joy. I was, we've been reading about this, about the early church that they, you know, when, when the movement started rising and people started converting like crazy, Jesus had already resurrected. He went to be with the Father and the, the disciples were carrying on the work, healing the sick, doing all crazy things. But we don't realize that people were out to kill these people. They were serving God and healing the sick all the while. People were looking for them to kill them. Have you been with Jesus? I'm going to kill you. Yeah, there was a death threat over the whole church. And yet, the Bible says that they were gathered together with joy, break bread. They would preach the gospel, revival. And, and you say, oh, but how? These people, I mean, it was, it was like, you should be locked in the room or something, you know? You should be hiding or something. They're, they're trying to kill you. But they had the joy of the Lord. They had the strength of the Lord. And nothing can stop you when you have the 
power of the Holy Spirit flowing through you. There's a joy that nothing can take away. Even if people are after you, even if, if there's um, death threats on your life, you know what? God is with me and I have a joy that nothing can take. The Bible says that when the first martyr that ever died, uh, it was Stephen and um, Esteban in Spanish, and he was, they got him and they were stoning this guy publicly to death. And there he was, and, and all these Pharisees were stoning him to death. And the Bible says that he was, can you imagine dying from getting hit by too many rocks across your head? That's painful. But the Bible says that as, that, as he was getting hit from all angles, the heavens opened up and he looked at heaven. And it was like, like if he was just getting hit by pillows. And he died. He was a martyr for God. But you see, when we serve God, it doesn't matter how crazy the opposition there's a joy that nothing can take away there's a peace that nothing you could no matter what you're going through you can put your head on that pillow and you could sleep because the peace of God is within you just keep my commandments and just obey my command but then the passage ends with two verses that at first glance they just don't seem to go with the story it's as it's as if the the person that was writing this passage or this parable um, John, obviously, and it was a story of Jesus. It's like he would have copy-pasted, but obviously they didn't have copy-paste back then in the first century. Uh, but it's like, man, this doesn't go with it. And we see it's like a, a total shift of plot. It's like Jesus giving this whole instructions about the vine. He's telling us that we need to remain, that we can ask, uh, and that we need to obey his commandment. But what is he getting at? What is he getting at? And here, in the last two verses, we'll see we'll see what he's trying to get at. And this is in John 15, 12, 13 to finish up. It says, this is my commandment. So he's saying, look, obey my commandments. If you remain in me, if my words remain in you, if what I command you remains in you. Okay, God, so, so what is the commandment? And then he says, love each other in the same way I have loved you. You see, you can't know what Jesus is talking about in this passage until you get to the very end. What is Jesus trying to get at? What is Jesus trying to tell you and me today on this 13th day of September of 2020? And here it is in a nutshell. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. The command that God wants you to obey and stay connected to the vine without drying up is love your neighbor. And then 13 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So Jesus is telling us, listen, the reason why you came to church today and the message that God wanted to give you today is, man, love your neighbor like you love yourself. And then, and then it says, no, wait, not like you love yourself. It actually says, love your neighbor the same way that God has loved you. How has God loved you? How has God loved you? Anybody? The floor's open. <laughs> Unconditionally, sacrificially. I mean, he sent Jesus to die when, when we were sinners. When we betrayed him, and we rather go to sin instead of him, he still sent, well, you know what? I'm going to give up my son so that I could recover him. Whatever it takes, because I love him that much. And that's what Jesus did for you. That's what Jesus did for me. And now... That's what Jesus is saying that I have to do for my neighbor. 
Now wait, let's go a little bit deeper. Who's my neighbor? Because one day a guy came up to Jesus and said, well, God, yeah, who's my neighbor? My best friend, my BFF, you know, <laughs> the guy that I'm straight with, you know, that we share all these things, we go spearfishing, we do all, is that, is that my? And Jesus said, he gave him a story, a parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan was coming and he saw a guy on the street that didn't think the way he thought, that didn't believe the same, wasn't the same religion. I am a Samaritan and that guy that's beat up and laying dead on the road is a Jew. I don't believe what he says. I believe that we should worship on the mount. He believes that we should worship in the temple. And, and we got all these, I don't think the way he thinks. I don't like him. As a matter of fact, if you, if you look at the map, whenever a Jew was going to go from one continent or, or from one, one area to another, like Judea is down here and Galilee is up here and then Samaria was in the middle. Jews would go around, here's the, the Jordan River, they would go around the Jordan River all around, make the trip like twice as long just so they don't have to pass by Samaria because we don't like those people. We don't, we don't go with those people. And Jesus now, when the guy asked him, who is my neighbor? He says, well, there was a guy. He was a Jew. He was beat up. And other Jews, you know, there was a pastor that passed by, didn't do anything. He saw him, looked around. Nobody's watching. I got stuff to do. Got to be home. I'm hungry. I'm out. Dolphins are playing. Then the worship leader, same thing, came back. Jew, same guy, same religion, believed everything. You know what? Nobody's watching. I, got, I can't, I can't, man. Poor guy. God, please help him. See ya. And, and he just said a quick prayer and left. But then there was a Samaritan who was totally opposed to his religious views, didn't see things the same way, but he took him on. He put him on his donkey. He took him to a hotel. He washed clean his uh, sus heridas. Uh, he, he, he took care of him. He put him in a hotel. He paid for the hotel. And the next day he had to leave on a trip, but he said, you know what? If he needs anything, put it on my tab. And then Jesus says, who do you think is a good, um, is a good prójimo? Who do you think is the neighbor? It's a good neighbor. And, and what Jesus was trying to show us is that we're supposed to love people sacrificially, not just the people that do good for us. We're supposed to be, love everybody. If we just love the people that do good for us, what, what difference is there between we that are connected to the vine and those that are not? If there's the love of Jesus that is flowing through the vine and into me, which I'm a branch because I'm connected to him, then I have to love the way Jesus loved, sacrificially. I have to pray for those who curse me. I have to help those that hate me. I have to do good and pay good for those who do me evil. That's how I know that I'm connected to the vine. That's a tall order. You can't know what Jesus is talking about in this passage until you get to the end. See? Love people enough to stop doing your own thing and start spending time helping, instructing, building up. That's what Jesus is trying to teach. So look, we all got stuff in life and we all got plans and we're striving to accomplish certain things, but love people enough that you could put your stuff to the side and love people sacrificially. Love people to the point that you sacrifice things that are important for you in order to commit to, raise up, to raising up a God-fearing generation. How many amens? How many people respond to that?
loving people enough that you let go of your ego to do life together with others. And as iron sharpens iron, so between brothers we will sharpen each other or sisters. Because he said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for friends. And I'm asking you today, what will you do for your generation? Your time here comes and goes. The Bible says that life is like, like the grass in the field that right now it's nice and green. You cut it and then the day of tomorrow it's just, it withered, it died. Or just like this branch that we just cut off. And life goes by so fast, you don't even realize it. Just blink. You're like, my God, my kid. Luca's already seven. I remember I was telling somebody the other day, where did my 30s go? Holy, I mean, I felt like I was 16 the other day, right? It's like, where did my 20s go, 30s? And wait, I'm almost, almost mid-40s, 44? We're in the world, I mean, yeah, it's going to happen to you. Don't worry about it. I know young people saying, yeah, no, you're going to see it as well. And then I, I started sharing a little bit and being vulnerable with you guys, telling you that I start, my eyesight has been, I mean, like from close distance, it's been getting bad. I'm like, God, but wait, from one day to another, the minute I turned 42 or 43, and it's like, wait, uh, what's going on here? And life, life just passes by you and what are you going to wait for you to get be on your deathbed and say oh man I did it wrong I messed up God can I connect to you now <laughs> and God in his mercy will probably allow you to be connected and he'll mend you but it's too late to have fruit you could have had a whole life of peace and what about all that joy and all the crazy things that God could have done in your life if you would have let him use you since you were a young person but now it's too late. And I've seen it as a pastor. I, I, I've been in people's deathbed. And I've seen how family members now, that they haven't spoken to each other for 20 years, and now they're like, oh my gosh. And you know what's funny? Then they come to the funeral, and they never get a chance to do it in person. And then they want to make up for it in one day. And, and God says, man, if you just abide in me, just, just abide in me. So what will you do for your generation today? How will you respond to this? Will you allow the master to prune you? Because some of you guys that, man, you're bearing fruit. And sometimes in the midst of bearing fruit, God prunes you. And you're like, God, why? Why are you cutting this? Why are you cutting these people out of my life? Why are you, what are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing everything. No, wait, there's a purpose behind everything. You're not the gardener. I'm the gardener. I know more than you. I know what I'm doing trust me in this i'm cutting things or people or situations from your life because i want you to produce more fruit or will you be a part of the group that is cut from the vine will you talk about jesus in your school will you talk about jesus where you work will you talk about jesus in your office or, or will you be ashamed of him you know what the Bible says? That if we're ashamed of Jesus and what he's done, if you just keep it to yourself, the Bible says that when we get to heaven, he's going to be ashamed of us. And you're going to say, hey, Jesus, hey, we were straight. You remember JTP? I was there every Sunday. What's up? You're going to let me in, ready to party. And Jesus is going to say, uh, God's going to look to the Son, and the Son's going to look to the Holy Spirit, and they're going to say, y'all know him? I know him. 
He says, if you are ashamed of the Father down here, then he'll be ashamed of you up there. I don't want that to happen to me. I want to get there, and I want to say, been waiting for you. Let's go. You did what you had to do. You ran the race. It was, it was tough. There was moments, but you trusted me. And where are the people? Where are the fruit that you've carried with you? Lord, here it is. Here it is. This is what I worked for. I, yeah, there were moments where I got a little bit unfocused, but I knew that you called me for something great. So here it is. Here's my prize. Here it is. This is what I worked for. And I built fruit for your kingdom. So what do we have to do as we close up? Two things. First step we must take is to climb the mountain. Get to know God. Don't just settle for people in your household that know Jesus and they pray. And then when you have something going on, you have to go to them. Hey, help me pray for this. Yeah, that's good. We need to pray one for another, but you need to have your own relationship with God. Start climbing up the mountain. Get, in, get to know God. And it's easy. It's easy. It just takes perseverance. And sometimes, you know, it's a little bit difficult. I got to admit, you know, talking to somebody that you don't hear back from, or at least the way you expect to hear back from. But you have to do it in faith. And when you know that God is listening to you, every, every word you say, you know, that, that by itself, you know, leads you to continue. You're gonna, there's gonna come a day after you do it for a week, a month. It's gonna come a day when God's gonna start doing some things in your life. And you're gonna start feeling things that you never felt before. You start feeling fire in your heart. I've heard people say that, you know, I felt fire in my heart. Other people I've, I've, I've talked to, you know, they, they, they pray with their eyes closed, but then they, they feel like God's presence is there. Like, it's like if I open my eyes, I see him. I know he's there. It's like, a, it's so palpable. And, and there's gonna, be direction. God's going to start giving you direction. God's going to start to speak to you through weeds. <laughs> God's going to start to just be real in your life. Some of you guys, or some of us here, need to establish a relationship with God because it's, it's not there. Others, maybe we need to reestablish or strengthen our relationship with God today. That's the first step. And the second thing that God is calling us to do today it's to find the community of people who love God. See, everything that God did to give, or Jesus, to give this example and everything, it was with the final objective of saying, look, love people like I have loved you. Love people enough that you would go out of your way, like the Good Samaritan, to help them. And maybe it's not helping them because they've been beat up on the side of the road, literally. Maybe it's because they've been beat up in life. Maybe it's because they never had a father like you did to guide you. And now God wants to use you as a spiritual father to that person and to edify him. Maybe it's because God wants you to lift up a generation of young people that even though they have everything they want, they, they don't, there's no reason in, for them to live. They don't find, and it's because they're not connected to the vine. And all it takes is you taking some time from your daily activities to say, look, this is, this is it, man. You just need to be connected to the vine. Let me help you. Come, let's pray together. This is how this works. And, and, let's, and whatever you need, I'm going to be praying by your side. And I'm going to invest my life into you so that you can grow. So you can see Jesus. And so that you can feel and experiment what I feel. And so God can later use you to keep so many young people from taking their lives. Because they, don't, they feel that, well, if this is all that life is, then... And when your relationship with God is strong, his life will flow through you and you will bless your generation. I don't know how many of you guys here 
want to be used by God to bless and impact people. Any hands? I know you guys are, you guys have your mouth covered, but at least your hands, you know, you can, yeah, man, it's, it's amazing to be used by God to affect my generation, to, to bless people. When your relationship with God is strong, his life will flow through you and you will bless your generation. You see, your, your vertical relationship, when you start to establish a relationship with God, it's going to translate into a vertical reaction and vertical re a relationships. The symbol of the cross. Some people wonder why it's, they struggle so much with vertical relationships, with horizontal relationships, and it's because you're not connected to the source. But if today you make that decision to say, God, I don't want to be this. Well, wait, I want to be this. Where's the other one? Oh, we mended it. That's right. <laughs> God, I don't want to be like this one was. And if I am, today I've come here so that you can mend my relationship. I think I just messed it up. <laughs> but you guys got the point. I want to be like this. Or better yet, Lord, I want to be like this baby right here. This is a juicy one. I want to bear fruits for your kingdom. Stand on your feet, please. I want to, I want to allow you to do a prayer with me. And maybe you came here for uh, expecting something else, something different. And you know what I've learned? I learned that, man, if you're going to come to the house of God and if you're going to allow God to speak to you, you got to sometimes be ready for God to push you out of your comfort zone and to maybe tell you, look, you're doing it wrong. You got to do this. God never does it just to put us to shame. On the contrary, he loves us so much that he wants to see his life flowing through you. God wants to see Doral, South Florida. Instead of being a, a city that's known for its perversion, a city known for the power of God flowing and people just growing and loving God and worshiping. And God wants to bless your family, restore your family. And that's why he sometimes tells us, look, maybe, maybe you have been cut off, but hey, if you have, there's still hope. And the reason why you're here today is because I can mend you. And the way we mend is when we abide in his word and we go to the mountain and say, God, more than anything, I need you. So this is what we're going to do. If you're watching at home and God spoke to you and you want to do this prayer with us, man, God can mend your life and God could reinsert you into his purpose. It doesn't matter how much time has passed, whether you're 90 years old or nine years old. God could do something today. He could just mend you and he could start counting from now on. And, you know, sometimes we can go through life and forget about God's plans for our lives and forget about, you know, especially us that grew up in church, you know, oh, God wants to use me and then get to a point where we forget about what God wants to do or forget that God even wants to use you. But on days like this, it's like his purpose collides with our purpose and destiny create and say God I'm willing and if you're willing I want you to do this prayer with me would you all help me repeat this yeah with all your heart all right say with me Lord Jesus on this 13th day of September 2020 come on let me hear you loud 2020 I open my heart because I want to be connected to you 
I don't want to be, I don't want to be cut off. I want to be connected to your life because I know that you have a purpose for me. Come on, anybody there? I know that you have a purpose for me. Use me in a supernatural way. I want to be open to whatever you want to do through me and in me. I believe in you, Lord. And I know that the only way that I will see your life flowing through people that you have planned for me to touch is I remain connected to you. Lord, I'm going to start to seek you like never before. I'm going to start to pray. And I'm going to start to go and, 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 and talk to you, God. And just sharing, you, sharing what's in my heart. And I know, God, that as I start to mend and get mended back into the vine, God, I believe that your life is going to start to flow through me. And God, I believe right now, all those friends that are watching us right now online, I believe that the Holy Spirit is now restoring certain things, that strength is coming back, that the life of, of Christ is starting to flow, God, through their veins. The purpose, purpose of God is starting to come back, God, and, and it's, it's being brought back to their memory, God, in Jesus' name. And I thank you, God, because you have told us that all of this is important, God, so we can love one, one another. God, help us choose a group of people God that we're going to do life with that are going to always challenge us and help us stay in the right path in Jesus name we love you amen and amen, amen.